Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Thursday, December 22nd. That means there's only a few more weeks of the NFL season left, and that also means there's only a few more episodes of Stat Nerd Thursday left for you people out there. But thank God for this this edition, we've got Dalton Del Don back in the saddle. Shout out to Rich Rebar for filling in last week, but Dalton, you're back, buddy. What's going on, man? What's up, Harmon? I enjoyed listening to the Lord Reeves episode in my place, but I was supposed to be in Cancun at a wedding, chilling by the ocean. Instead, my son got sick, so I was actually at home tending to children. And uh, yeah, that, that kind of sucked, but I'm super happy to be back now and talk some football, man. So uh, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to... I don't know. Let me ask you this before we start the, the Statner Thursday stuff. How do you feel about like... All, all of the NFL action on Christmas Eve and Christmas, like when the NFL Sunday slates fall on Christmas, what what is your take on the matter? I don't have a strong take. I'm, I'm good with it. It makes my writing a little bit easier over the weekend, but um, I'm not traveling, so I'm good either way. Whatever. I'm, I'm easy when it comes to this. Do you have a strong take here? I'm not. I don't have like a strong take. I do prefer when Christmas falls in the middle of the week because then we get a little bit more of like a a vacation type of thing. I I would love to just be 100% dialed in on the games, which I mean, I mostly am going to be. It's not that again, like it's the Rams and Broncos in the middle of the game. Like what a what a Christmas present to unwrap for all of us as a nation. Um, Still going to watch it, though. Still going to make my in-laws watch it. There's nothing to do about that. Um, It is. It would just be a little bit better if, um, you know, you don't have to explain to the wife like, yeah, so at least at least on on Christmas Eve, like you know, we're gonna, we're gonna be totally dialed into to football. That it's a it's a little bit more of an easier thing to justify when Christmas comes in the middle of the week. You get the vacation, you get all that stuff. But there, we we can't complain, man. We have the the best job in the entire world, a fake job, truly, and 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 really, if we're talking about it. But uh, yeah, uh, that's just my take on the on the Christmas thing. I, I would prefer it be in the middle of the week so we can get uh, full fledged NFL uh, attention and then the Christmas holiday. No, that's fair. It's not ideal to land on the weekend. Um, yeah, and this, boy, this weekend's going to be an especially crazy one with so many low over-unders and, and wild weather projections. But I hear you, it's not ideal to have the overlap of the holidays. 
Yes, it's going to be an absolutely bizarre week, but that is what we are here to do to help you try to navigate that absolutely bizarre week. You know what we do here on Stat Nerd Thursday. We give you one stat for every single NFL team, but this week we're not going to go first to worst. We're going to get some of the dregs out of the way early, and then we're going to talk about the good teams later on in the show. So let's get it started with the Houston Texans, who have the worst record in the NFL. But Dalton, I love the stat that you brought to the table here. The Texans are seventh in defensive DVOA over the last five weeks. They're sixth in pass defense DVOA, and they're 11th in run defense DVOA. I I wanted to have some sort of stat, and you absolutely nailed it. Uh, You knocked out of the park here, because you can tell like who is watching the games and who is not watching the games based on how they react to the Texans over the last two weeks. Cause this is the deal with football, man. Like sometimes you just throw the records out the window. You throw like the talent. Obviously there's a huge talent disparity, you know, between the Texans and the chiefs and the Texans and the Cowboys, but people expected like, and they're literally like big, big media members would say this after the Texans. Uh, we might've even said, shoot, we might even said on this podcast, like, Oh yeah, the Texans will get up for the Watson revenge game. They'll, they'll, they'll go out there, give their hardest, but then they're going to start thinking about vacation, thinking about the golf course. And, you know, even Eckler said yesterday that that's BS and, and you can see it's BS when watching the Texans. Cause those dudes have been absolutely flying around on defense. Just, demolishing guys, hitting guys. I mean, Juju, Patrick Mahomes, those guys took hits big time um, uh, against the Texans last week and the week before that, like CeeDee Lamb getting crushed out there. Um, Dallas just getting, you know, they're just plowing these guys over the last couple weeks. And to your point here, the stat that you bring up, it's not just the last two weeks. Yeah, and the Jets could have Trevor Lawrence right now if they didn't win a meaningless final week of the season game a couple years ago. So yeah, these these athletes are 100% trying, even if their uh, management is tanking with some moves. But the Texans the last two weeks played the Cowboys incredibly tough in Dallas, took Kansas City into overtime without Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Damian Pierce. So this defense is playing hard, and it's absolutely something to note, which we will talk about later. Derrick Henry's uh, historical stats against Houston, incredible. But this defense over the last five weeks, not the same defense. So it's something to note. Maybe you do pause or you do go contrarian and don't smash them in your DFS lineup. So absolutely worth noting the last five weeks, this Houston Texans team may not be winning football games, but they're no pushover defensively. Yeah, um, which is kind of like the best of both worlds for the Texans because they're still losing games, but they're built they're building some legitimacy there. And I look, I don't know if they're going to keep Lovey Smith after the year. I I would say they they probably don't, but although it would be pretty pretty tough look to fire two coaches back to back like one and done back to back guys. But I don't know if they can get Josh McCown off the YouTube stream with Josh Norris, they're probably going to do it. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that turns out. And uh, tougher to move- fire him with them playing hard down the stretch too. Exactly. You know, it'd be harder to fire him than playing this well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing, right? Like, I don't know with the David Cully thing. I don't really understand why they like, what was the point of firing David Cully just to then turn around and hire Lovey Smith. But like, Lovey Smith has these guys on defense playing really hard and they don't even like we talk about the non-premier players that they don't have on offense like they don't Derek Stingley missed last week like he, he's exactly. their top five overall pick and he hasn't yeah. been fully out there for all of these moments too so um, there's a lot to be I guess I don't know if optimistic about in in, in Houston but uh, at least they're playing hard uh, here at the end of the season uh, next team up Chicago Bears Justin Fields scrambled six times for 66 yards in week 15 I know there's a lot of discourse about Rushing quarterbacks and, you know, his design runs looked like they were going to be dialed back uh, before the bye. Then they were kind of back there uh, in uh, week 15. But here's the thing, man. Regardless of whether Justin Fields, like, 
is they're getting design rushes and stuff like that. He's still going to run because it's efficient. It's a good play for the offense, and uh, that's just like who he is at this point. I think he has found that strength in his own playing style. Six times, sixty-six yards. That's good stuff for Justin Fields. Yeah, he just keeps putting up fantasy points. What was he? Was the QB whatever top ten, top eight again, putting up a bunch of fantasy points against an Eagles defense that had been the stingiest against opposing uh, QBs. That was would have been the highlight of the season had he not stepped out of bounds on that rushing touchdown. Uh, seems to do it weekly. So yeah, I mean he's matchup proof uh, with this much rushing upside i mean yeah he's going to be drafted quite aggressively in fantasy drafts next year so it's a, nice to see and see him do this obviously battling through that shoulder injury as well yeah of course just want to you know see him stay healthy all that type of stuff that would be great it, it was kind of funny um you know i recommended to to my buddy uh, amos lee that like you got to play fields even against the eagles like you got to play him anyways because of the rushing stuff like that and i you know he's busting off all these rushing plays whatever during the game uh, and then he, <laughs> I text him, I'm like, Hey fields, man, this worked out because of the Russian, he's like, yeah, but I also lose points for sacks in, in, in this league. I'm like, Oh, well shoot. You should have said something about that. Like going to the game fields. What a weird, what a strange, strange quarterback. Uh, he is at this point, just because I mean, he takes six sacks, but he has all the rushing yards. He's going to be a very interesting fantasy quarterback to debate, uh, this time next year. That that'll be interesting. Uh, next team up here, not an interesting team. And I'm hoping at this point now, we can stop acting like Baker Mayfield is the cutest thing on planet Earth uh, because he had a 4.1 adjusted yards per attempt in week 15. That ranked ahead of only the following uh, all-star quarterbacks. Rookie Desmond Ritter, Mac Jones in Matt Patricia's offense, Tyler Huntley in a preseason Ravens offense, and both Cardinals quarterbacks. Uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping that we can – that was nice. Baker had that 98-yard touchdown drive against the Raiders, who stink. That's cute, but come on. I, it's he's not a good player. It's not a good offense. Let's not talk about it anymore. Yeah, in his defense, cold weather, bad offensive line, bad receivers to throw to. But yeah, just what's there to talk about in in the Rams situation right now? They're just they're they're mo- they've moved on to next year. So let's do the same. Yeah, Ben Skoranek now out for the year. Uh, their center now out for the year. It's like who 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 even plays for this team anymore? I will say Tutu Atwilks kind of popped it a few times watching him. Like, oh, maybe I wrote him off too soon. But then he's not been able to produce at all given the targets. Yeah. So yeah. He's an interesting, like, you throw it to him three times a year down the field, but, like, you don't spend a second-round pick on that. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Van Jefferson, I do think, looks pretty good. Like, Van Jefferson looks like a a nice player. I don't know what his ceiling is or anything like that, but it's at least, like, a competent NFL player uh, out there for Baker to throw to, but... Come on. One final piece of news on the Rams is just is uh, Stafford had to come out and recently say he's not retiring. I mean, that was actually out there. Uh, oh, I didn't speculation. See that. Yeah, there was speculation. And he said, no, I, I will be returning next season because he's dealing with some serious injuries. But um, so, uh, yeah, so apparently Stafford is definitely planning on returning. That's good. I don't really want to see. I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts on the Rams, but we don't we don't need to talk about them here because they're a pretty irrelevant team at this point. But. They will be playing the Denver Broncos, our next team up here, on again, on Christmas Day. Hell of a package to unwrap. I can't wait. I don't even know who's going to be starting a quarterback for the Broncos in this game because Russ cleared the concussion protocol last week, but they decided not to play him. Feels weird there. Uh, but my stat for, for the Broncos is that Latavius Murray has a 63% share of Denver's rush attempts since week 12, and he's averaging 4.85 yards per carry in that time span. Latavius Murray has been sneaky good, Dalton, to the point that, like, I've had him on a bet. I maybe have played him once on this team where I added him. I uh, had a first round buy last week, and 
you know, Jay, I have Jalen Hurts on this team, so I'm I'm a little uh, upset about this whole situation. But I'm kind of feeling like Latavius Murray. If if somebody's going to save my day unexpectedly this week without Jalen Hurts potentially, it might be Latavius Murray because he's been that damn good lately. Yeah, Marlon Mack is getting uh, some re- receiving work there, but uh, absolutely, uh, Murray's quietly got the, got it done last week. And again, you can start him as a top twenty five ish back uh, this week against, a, like I said, a checked out Rams team. Um, Donald out. Uh, yeah, I like Murray. He's, he's he's become reliable fantasy in a running back landscape that's just, you know, kind of disastrous. Yeah, the Rams run defense numbers on the season still look good, but of course like that without Aaron Donald, that's tough. And then the Packers just ran all over them. I mean, with Aaron Jones, with even with AJ Dillon yeah, uh yeah. like on Monday night. So, I think this is a pretty good spot for Latavius and it's just going to be a slow paced low scoring slog of a game that is like Latavius Murray's ball game so uh he, he could definitely end up being like a guy who helps you bring hey, hey me hopefully hopefully he helps me bring home a fantasy title is basically what I'm trying to will into existence here by talking about him next team up here I don't know if I even want to talk about this team uh because right as we got started recording here uh and I already had the stat on this guy we found out that Trace McSorley is going to start ahead uh Colt McCoy's already been ruled out Trace McSorley ranked 31st in EPA per drop back last week among quarterbacks um don't know if you know this but there's 32 starting quarterbacks his uh the guy he replaced Colt McCoy was 33rd Tyler Huntley tough scene uh, sandwich between these two guys but so Trace McSorley is going to start Dalton is there any Arizona Cardinal you're still like all right I'm going to start him with confidence this week not with confidence. I mean, nearly touchdown underdogs at home against a struggling Tampa Bay team. Connor, just because of the workload, again, just running back so weak. So, yeah, you're starting Connor with that, just getting every single snap. And you're probably still starting Hopkins with the targets, but I am definitely going to lower Hopkins in my ranks even further than I already have. It's a bad situation. McSorley, third stringer, a good, you know, Bucks defense is still pretty strong. So it's a rough situation. Basically, Connor... And then try to look elsewhere unless you're in PPR and you need Hopkins, who's more like of a flex option now. Yo, if um, if the Bucks don't like blow out the Cardinals this week, don't even don't even get me started. Uh, that that will just be absolutely horrendous. But you know, yeah, Brady was I, 89 and 0 when leading by 17 points at home in his career. 89 and 0, man, that's just a wild season. Yeah, it's been a wild season. We'll talk about the Bucks here uh, rather quickly because we're going from worst to first. Uh, but yeah, definitely tough for the Cardinals. I mean, James Conner talked about it with Austin yesterday on the show. 91% of the snaps the last five weeks was just, just absurd for a running back. But it's a running back of a Trace McSorley offense going against a pretty good defense. You got to really lower expectations for everybody. Uh, Arizona wasn't the only team that dropped some quarterback news this morning. The Indianapolis Colts are going to be starting Nick Foles going forward. Matt Ryan has averaged 6.6 air yards per attempt with just 44% of his throws going for 10-plus yards since Week 12. I kind of feel bad for Matt Ryan, man, that the most likely the last start of his career is going to be you know, giving up the biggest regular season comeback in NFL history when he already owns the biggest losing end of the Super Bowl, biggest comeback uh, in Super Bowl history. Tough scene for Matt Ryan, man, but Nick Foles is going to get the start here this week. Uh, again, similar question. Are you? We already lost Jonathan Taylor for the season. Are you considering star, even starting any Colts? Like It's Michael Pittman and pretty much I'm not sure about anybody else. 
I kind of am. I moved Zach Moss. Maybe I'm off base here. And Deion Jackson, definitely interesting in PPR. But given this matchup, uh, and after Jackson lost a fumble in the fourth quarter, um, Moss played basically all the snaps, uh, 15 to 17 snaps, including all eight in overtime. I mean, he did end up with 24 carries last week. So it seemed like he's the guy they rely more on as a, a base down back. I guess it could be playing from behind more, but I don't love the Chargers as, as favorites. So um, no. I think Zach Moss is a sneaky actual flex and, and borderline RB2. Actually, I, I do think so. And what about Pittman? Is is he, do you see an improved uh, outlook for him with Foles possibly throwing downfield more? I mean, I, I hope so. The thing with Foles is it's similar with Ryan that he's just a total sitting duck in the pocket. Like you get any pressure and it's, the play is toast. And this offensive line, I think, has played a little bit better since Jeff Saturday got in there, but not like markedly better or anything like that. So still pretty nervous. And and I mean, Pittman, like what did he get? 14 targets and 60 yards last week. He had one bad drop, yeah. but otherwise it's like just brutal underneath stuff. Guys are just slamming down on this team. I think people really underrate how difficult it is for receivers like like Pittman or or these other guys like that. There's just no vertical element to the offense, whatever. I think Dallas suffers from some of this, too. Like, just guys immediately slamming down on you because they know there's no vertical element to the offense. Colts definitely a more extreme example um, than than Dallas. But, yeah, I mean, shoot, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, Dalton. I don't know if, like, Nick Foles is going to come out there and sling the ball a little bit more. But, my God, he can't possibly sing it, sling it much less than Matt Ryan has been. Yeah, I know it's been frustrating. It sucks that Taylor, you know, aggravated an ankle injury due to never missed a practice since high school and just a basically injury ruined season. But um, he'll be back next year and be a top five pick, no doubt. 100%. Uh, let's move on to the New Orleans Saints, if we must. <laughs> David Johnson ran more routes than Alvin Kamara. Again, talked about this with Austin yesterday, but God almighty. I mean, what are we doing here? David Johnson running. Well, that's it's so the Kamara usage is so bizarre. Feels like he must be on the outs with the team. And we know there's like a looming uh, legal issue, of course, but he has 91 rushing yards last week against the Falcons. Congratulations. Everybody has a good rushing day against the Falcons, but everybody has a good rushing day against the Cleveland Browns as they're getting this week. But the passing game usage not being there is tough, Dalton. So tough. Yeah, I know. I hyped him up in one of our videos saying this would be a smash week for him. It performed so much better at home. And the game script theory did work and even got all the carries that maybe Mark Ingram would have when they were protecting that lead. But just lack of targets, Taysom Hill involved. Here's one of the key issues. Uh, Alvin Kamara has, has, doesn't have a carry inside the five since week eight. He has two all season. I mean, this is a guy two years ago was putting up monstrous touchdown numbers. So um, yeah, it's been a disaster for him. Can't rely on him. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland has, you know, they're bad EPA per rush or whatever, but this game's total is 32 points with horrible weather outdoors and he hasn't scored a touchdown all year on the road. So, I mean, I mean, again, the running back landscape, you're probably using Kamara, but man, I don't have high expectations, even against the Browns defense that looks bad on paper against the rush. Dude, this is like a looming thing I'm thinking about, but the running back, like, again, I, I think Kamara's probably on the outs with the Saints. Like, you know, again, there's a legal issue there. I don't like know suspended, that he would be, yeah. he would be mm -hmm. like a, uh, you know, a super desired um, player if he hit the open market or whatever. But the the way it's stacking up right now, like let's say Kamara gets released by the Saints, so he's in this free agent pool. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, even like guys like Raheem Mostert and David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Kareem Hunt, like, and then there's supposed to be you know 
like Robinson the back in the draft, you know, whatever. There's supposed to be some good running backs coming out of the draft. This feels like a, a potential nightmarish like fantasy offseason from the running back position. Like there's a lot of and we know the market for running backs always tough in the free agent situation. Like I think the Giants got to find a way to bring Saquon back. I think the Raiders got to try to find a way to, to bring Josh Jacobs back. But let's say they don't like I think that we could be looking at a like potentially seismic uh, type of shift in the offseason at the running back position. And, and Kamara could be one of those guys as well. Yeah, 28 years old, like you said, legal issues. So it totally makes sense for them to move on. I don't know. Although some teams, when they do that, they usually run those players into the ground before letting them walk. And they're not certainly not doing that with him around the scoring area. But yeah, it's been frustrating for fantasy managers. And and next year, I don't I don't know. Running, I mean, do we expect him to bounce back? It's not really the position that, that, that occurs no. at age 28. So um, he better come at a significant discount at draft tables, you know, regardless of the suspension looming or not. But you're right. The running back is just... You know, as sketchy as ever, and with all those free agents, it's going to be another crapshoot at draft tables. Yeah, it really is. Uh, all right. Speaking of crapshoot, the Panthers running back rotation might be a little bit of a crapshoot coming into week 16. Uh, Donta Foreman had a, still had a 63% share of the team rush attempts on just 14 snaps, as you added last week. Um, but those were only 10 total carries. Uh, he had his fourth game under 10% targets per route run since week seven. Chuba Hubbard was still incredibly involved. And uh, also, as you mentioned, the Lions run defense is super fierce. The last seven games, uh, Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter combined for 17 carries for 38 yards. Oh, my God, against the Detroit Lions defense. Dalvin Cook went 15 for 23 and a touch. Travis Etienne, 13 for 54. Devin Singletary, the best performance uh, from an efficiency standpoint, 14 for 72. Saquon Barkley, 15 for 22. Uh, Montgomery and Herbert, 1994. Uh, and then, that sounds like a year. And then Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, 20 for 53. I mean, the Lions run defense has been on fire. Is there, I can't imagine starting Donta Foreman. In fact, I actually advocated for potentially just cutting him, like dropping him if you need to pick up like a Zach Moss off waivers uh, with the on the waiver pod this week with Andy. Yeah, I agree. I'm outside my top 36 running backs this week. You know, carries theoretically is all that matter. It doesn't matter how many snaps. But one thing that stat kind of tells you is that isn't it a tell to the opposing defense if he gets a carry yeah. like on nearly every single time he's on the field? So I know he looks beastly. By the way, the only running back to have any success in the NFL following the Achilles tear still. If you're looking at what, you know, yes, Akers and James Robinson had moments, but I mean, it looks like it's just Foreman and that took like three and a half years. But um, in this matchup, that is just significant. If the numbers were overwhelming for you, the Lions run defense the last seven games has been as good as it gets in the league. So yeah, I would not want to start Foreman who catch, you know, he's ignored in the passing game. Uh, don't want him to start him in this in this matchup, even though game script, you know, could could be OK. But um, I like more like Sam Darnold as a sleeper and DJ Moore than I do uh, Foreman for sure. Yeah, we'll see if Terrace Marshall can get a little bit involved as well. Yep. Not that I think he's like, I mean, he'd be a super deep play, but uh, just an idea there. Um, man, yeah, tough scene for Foreman there. Uh, he has looked really good this year. All right, staying in the NFC South. We're in, oh my God, we're in like the miserable a NFC South run of the podcast. Drake London, though, leads all pass catchers week 13. I know he had his bye in the middle of this, so it's just two games, but leads all pass catchers with a 46% share of his team targets. We did it, Dalton. We finally online bullied uh, Arthur Smith into just throwing the ball, uh, getting give the pass plays designed to Drake London. Desmond Ritter did not look good in his first start. I mean, woof, that was tough. Didn't look, you know? It's always funny when we do the it can't get worse uh, game with quarterbacks. It can't get worse than Marcus Mariota. Well, 
yeah, outside of like three or four plays, it was pretty much worse with Desmond Ritter. But at least he threw the ball to Drake London, which was all we care about this offense. I love that his first snap, he went deep, though. Uh, Ritter did attempt yeah. a deep pass in the first snap, but it was ugly. Very, very ugly. His first start, he does not look ready. But um, a couple things here. So on one hand, um, the targets of absolute will be there, and he's facing a Ravens defense that's like impossible to run against. So I, I, I did rank London as a wide receiver three this week. On the other hand, Ritter did look bad, and the Falcons have the lowest implied team total this week. I mean, even lower than a game that's a 31 and a half point total. I mean, their implied team total is lower than both the Browns and the Saints. So that ain't great. But again, really, it's a pass, I mean, not really a pass funnel because the Ravens have a, a, a decent pass defense too, but really strong run D. So Atlanta's going to be forced to pass. So the targets are going to be there. But can London actually find the end zone for once? That'll be the key to his fantasy week. Yeah, that would be nice. Didn't he find the end zone like a, a, last time he scored? Wasn't it like a one catch, two yard performance? Something yeah, like that, that sounds right. That sounds right. But um, yeah, he's looks good though. He passes the eye test. I like his future. Um, just the the obviously it remains to be seen how Ritter Ritter performs at the pro level. Yeah, I mean, dude, oh, Drake London looks he looks great. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be a really really good player. The, the Falcons just have to get a real quarterback. They don't have a real quarterback. Yeah, the last time he scored, Drake London was week eleven. It was his only catch for two yards of the day against the Bears shutdown defense, I might add. So, uh, yeah, tough scene there for, for Drake London. Next game up. Oh, talk about uh, tough scene. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Number one, Lord Podcast wrote in the outline. Just look at the quality of teams around the Bucks. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty rough here. Your stat, which I'm glad you I'm glad you uh, you of all people put this in here. Mike Evans leads the league in pass interference yards. Yeah, buddy, you don't have to tell me twice with Mike Evans on my fantasy teams. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, maybe maybe in our bet, uh, Evans versus uh, Gabe Davis, I deserve a small amount of credit for, you know, Brady age and whatnot. But you do. I think also, you do. Just I a actually, small amount, though. I think also, like I'm pointing out here, there's just been a bad run on touchdown, you know, regression the other way. And look, at he leads the league in penalty yards, man. I mean, he's this could have gone better for Evans very easily. And the, the main point I want to get is I, I don't really care if, if even Gabe has a big game and he outscores Mike Evans. I should have listened to you as a podcast partner, Mr. Reception Perception, and I'm burning third round, fourth round picks on Gabe Davis and costing me a lot of money. I mean, I'm telling you, I should have. You were right. The dude cannot run routes. I should have listened to you. And that's my takeaway from this bet. I just want to say that. And uh, Evans <laughs> could have easily had a much better year, whereas Gabe Davis, it had nothing to do with poor luck or anything. Dude just could not get open. And you were right. And I was wrong. Well, shoot. I mean, I could say the same thing to you about the the Mike Evans situation, man. I could have. I, honestly, I, I said this a few weeks ago about um, like this is one of those situations where sometimes you just have to think about think about the game and not think about like fantasy rankings. And I think the Gabe Davis thing, by the way, is, is the same thing. Like sometimes you actually have to think about actual football and not like the targets and the, you know, the, the, the a dot and whatever. And like, how could he fail with J him being, you know, just being the number two receiver in Josh Allen's offense. And like, I had Gabe Davis ranked around like wide receiver 30, right? Wide receiver 28 at best all off season. He's wide receiver 28 right now. He's been like exactly that this interest view, I guess on, on Gabe Davis was, was the right one to have, but same thing could be said about the, the bucks offense. Like you say to yourself, and I know I said this to myself a lot all offseason, like it's 
it's Tom Brady. Like, how could it fail? Look at the receivers around Tom Brady. Like, they go four deep with uh, Gage and Jones behind Evans and Godwin, and just and like yeah, and just yada yada like offensive line like injuries. You're know, like, oh yada yada offensive line injuries, whatever. And like, I, nobody expected Donovan Smith to be like the worst offensive tackle in the NFL. He has been one of the worst offensive tackles in the NFL. I would love to also know how many touchdowns his holding penalties have called off the board for Mike Evans, in addition to the PI uh, stuff there. Would love to know that. 100% I, I against the Niners, there was like a 70-yarder touchdown against the Niners. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I know. And like the I, people are going to think Mike Evans is done. Mike Evans is probably not done. It's just every – I say this all the time. Like the timing of routes and stuff so – we talk about this with Tua. Like jamming receivers and, and you know stuff like that at the line can throw off the timing of the quarterback even if the guys eventually get open. Like Mike Evans could be open, but Brady's getting – it's like, oh, they don't look like they're on the same page because Brady's getting the ball out so fast because he does not want to be hit right now. I wish I had listened to you about some of the Brady stuff too. So we're we should have just not bet on this and just been like, you know what? <laughs> you got something going here on the other side of it. Here's a weird one about Evans. Despite Brady on pace to throw the most passes in NFL history or be close to it, um, Evans had, and, and usually among the league leaders in end zone targets, Evans doesn't have a target inside the five since week four. I mean, and maybe that's why they're struggling that's in weird. the red zone. I mean, that is just, yeah. I mean, no Gronk, like what is happening? Like, why are they not peppering the big man in, in inside the 10 there? Like they normally do. That's weird. That, that is very weird. That is very unexpected. Um, listen, I'll tell you what I never expected was, uh, for Zay Jones to be outscoring both of these guys <laughs> fantasy this year. What a wild Me time neither. Yeah. Crazy. Stuff, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess we should have just listened to each other on this bet, not bet on it and just like changed our opinions on the players. Cause I, I definitely wish I don't like, I definitely wish I, I didn't draft as much Mike Evans. And like, e- even when the discount started coming, when they got like Julio Jones and all that stuff, I wish I had even just uh, like not paid attention to it. And I took him in so many third rounds and um, also stacked. Oh my God. Also stacked with Brady in like the eighth round. I was like, oh, I missed out on the early quarterbacks. That's fine. I'll just get Brady. And literally it could not be more stark. Any team I did that out of the playoffs, not even close. Terrible team. All the teams I went early quarterback with Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, etc. They're all good. So, lesson learned. Lesson learned there. Um, I still want to try a father's office burger with you, regardless of the bets outcome, oh, Harmon. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. Either way, well, that's definitely getting done. All right. Wish I would have learned my lesson on uh, Deontay Johnson, but I I can't quit this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Last three weeks, Dalton. Deontay Johnson, 8.3 yards per target, 2.8 yards per route run. That's nice because he's been such an inefficient player. Not not completely to his own fault, but not totally excusing him from all of his own problems because I've said this throughout the year. He's a very mistake-prone player, etc. Even He even did the right thing uh, last week against the Panthers, ran those stupid little curl routes they have him do. He immediately got upfield, broke a couple tackles, did the right thing, went the right direction but then got up and had a taunting penalty right after. It's like, come on, man. Just one one, one game without a boneheaded mistake. One game. Let's try to do it. Can we get a game without a boneheaded mistake against the Raiders defense on Christmas Eve? I said this to you in a video earlier. I think this is the week that Deontay Johnson scores his first touchdown of the season. Yeah, hopefully his toe injury is not uh, too severe. The Raiders are allowing the highest passer rating 
in the NFL. He should continue to get the targets with Pat, Pat Fryermuth is clearly playing hurt. You know, he's missing all that mm-hmm. practice and limited snaps without any targets last week. Even Najee Harris is banged up. Uh, the return of Kenny Pickett, I would actually probably consider bad news in the short term. But yeah, you got to love all those targets. And he's set, I believe Johnson has set the record for most targets and catches yeah. without a touchdown in the season. Oh. So he's due to score for sure. So uh, yeah, it's a good matchup too. So I, I like it. I like the call. All right. Um, by the way, isn't it funny that all, there are all these stats about Mitch Trubisky, higher target share with Deontay Johnson when, when Mitch Trubisky plays, all this stuff. And Deontay, talk, hey, the most boneheaded thing he's done all year is come out and say, like, I'd rather see Mason Rudolph start than Mitchell Trubisky, basically saying, like, let's give him a chance. I'm like, hey, I, I criticize Deontay for a lot of the mistakes he makes on the field. That was probably the biggest mistake. I, I can't believe that. Uh, so that's definitely questionable decision-making by our guy Deontay Johnson there. Um, they're playing the Raiders uh, this week. Raiders are the next team up. This is working out really well there. Um, Matt Collins still had a 25% target share despite the return of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. He also ran more routes than both. Although I and I wanted to bring this up because Matt Collins is a guy. I'm actually kind of like, is Matt Collins good? Like, is he is he just is he having like a, a breakout season this late in his career? I I don't know. But Darren Waller, I think the one touchdown play is like, oh yeah, right. Like this should have been what the offense looks like all along, but and it just never has. I just remembered another stat I used in my column. So entering this game, Jacobs and Adams had the highest percentage of teams uh, scrimmage yards since Edger and James and Marvin Harrison in 1999. So pretty crazy and just so Yahtzee for fantasy managers. But now with um, with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro back and possibly the emergence of Matt Collins, that might not be the same over the final two games of your fantasy playoffs. But um, obviously the matchup last week was brutal for Adams facing uh, Belichick. But um, but yeah, so that it might be spread out a tiny bit more with these guys healthier down the stretch. But that's that's crazy how condensed it's been, like historically condensed over the uh, until this point in the season. Yeah, it is absolutely wild. Uh, I, I think Darren Waller, if you have him or you he's someone, someone dropped him, you picked him up. I feel like he's a clear cut start against the oh yeah, against oh, yeah. tight ends. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, uh, Jaguars are next team up. We're going to get to them in our Thursday night preview. Big Thursday night game we got to get to uh, later on. But Green Bay Packers, our next team here. Aaron Jones had a 60% share of the team rush attempts in the fourth quarter. Patrick Taylor still had 40%, and there was the snaps were 11 for Jones, 9 for Taylor. Of course, this is interesting because A.J. Dillon left the game with a concussion, right, uh, against the Rams, and he did not return. Uh, he might miss in this next game, but... I wouldn't say like, oh, Aaron Jones is just going to get all of the touches or whatever. They might involve this Patrick Taylor fella uh, in there as well. Yeah, it looks like Aaron, uh, Dylan has avoided concussion protocol and he's supposed to be good to go. But um, I like this matchup for Aaron Rodgers anyway, man. This is a pass funnel Miami defense that's going to put up points. I think this is going to be Rodgers' best fantasy game of the year. And Dylan's going to end up playing and that's they're both going to end up just being their usual RB2s type self. So, oh, and when's the last time? When, this is just the beginning of Rodgers having Watson, Lazard, and Dobbs all together. So, yeah, I think this is going to turn into more of a shootout. And I like Rodgers here. And, you know, Jones and Dylan will just be okay RB2s in this matchup. And, man, I was up 30 points in a league I cared about facing Aaron Jones. And I was kind of lucky there that he didn't put up a 30-burger <laughs> on me there because he could have. You know, he lost a couple touchdowns to Dylan and, and Patrick Taylor carries too. So, and he still put up a massive line. So, uh, I just see this this game a totally opposite script against Miami. And it's going to be the passing attack for Rodgers and company. Okay, so I'll ask you. Uh, Eckler and I debated this yesterday about Brock Purdy, your guy, BCB. 
we were both on the Purdy side of it. I have this decision in my Superflex Dynasty League that I'm competing. I'm, I'm trying to win this damn thing right now. I'm in the playoffs. Brock Purdy or Aaron Rodgers in week 16, bro. Yeah, I, I, I have Aaron Rodgers as my QB8 this week. It's easily Rodgers for me. I love uh, both BCB and the fact you got Eckler to refer to him as that, but it's, it's <laughs> Rodgers for me in this matchup, man. We have Washington is a tougher defense. I think the Niners are going to eat that offense. I mean, just game script. He's not going to have to pass a lot. Dude might be playing through a torn oblique. We'll get more to that as well. But I just really like this setup for Rodgers. I mean, why is this not a, a back and forth? And um, yeah, again, Miami far better against the, the run than the pass. And um, they're, um, yeah, I like the setup there. The pass rate against Miami in Miami this season is 68%. The second highest in the league, only the, uh, in San Francisco is higher. So very, very, I like the setup here quite a bit for Rodgers. Uh, all right, Cleveland Browns, next one up here. Targets for running back since Watson took over. Eight for Kareem Hunt, six for Nick Chubb. I didn't have a very, uh, I'll admit, I didn't have a very good Brown stat uh, to bring to the table. But uh, it is interesting, Nick Chubb's not been practicing. Uh, they haven't been that efficient of a rushing team since Watson took over. They haven't really been that efficient of a rushing team lately, period. Uh, is there any chance, like, if what if Nick Chubb sits in this game? Like, how excited would we be about Kareem Hunt? I, I'm not 100% sure at this point. Yeah, you'd have to start Kareem Hunt if Chubb is inactive. But I think the key here with Cleveland is just to note that you don't want to use anyone involved in the pass catchers in this game with wind gusts that could reach more than 40 miles per hour, uh, cold snow, a bunch of wind. So I'd be worried about a struggling Watson. Um, Cooper's looked healthier than I than I expected with that hip. But um, man, a banged up in Joku. I, the, the key here is Chubb's health. And, and then what that means for Kareem Hunt, and you want to avoid all pass catchers in what looks like right now the worst weather game of the season by far. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got those Derrick Henry versus Houston Texans nugs coming your way right after this. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, we're back. Derrick Henry, Tennessee Titans running back, has averaged 223 rushing yards with nine touchdowns in his last four games against the Texans. But Dalton, how do we feel about that considering uh, the Texans defensive stats we, we, we had earlier? I mean, I'm still, I'm still using treating him as a number one back uh, this week. His last game uh, was also with Malik Willis against the Texans, and he had 219 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you absolutely have to realize that the Texans' defense is playing better lately, um, but still, uh, yeah, I have, I have Henry as my number one back uh, this week, and um, obviously he's going to be very popular in, in DFS. Um, it's really uh, Dontra Hilliard's on IR, so he's, he's already set career highs across the board. In, in receiving stats. So, uh, yeah, you still have to like Henry despite uh, Houston playing better run defense. Might get Traylon Burks back this week. That would be nice if Malik Willis does have to start. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Sounds just... like he's going to, too. It sounds like they're even saying it's a long shot for, for Tannehill to get back, although he was carted off and then returned to the game. But, man, if you Dude. look at uh, Willis's stats, like they don't even attempt forward passes when, when he plays. No. So, it's no matter his rushing equity, it's tough to rank him not last among fantasy QBs and, and bury all the pass catchers, too. So, it's going to be a ton of Henry. 
Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The Chiego Conquo stuff might be coming to yeah. an end here uh, if it we is. get Malik Willis there. All right, next one up here: Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith ranks fifteenth in EPA per dropback since Week Ten. We've seen a little bit of regression from the Geno uh, train lately, and man, I mean, this is a uh, going against Chiefs. That's a gettable matchup for sure, but no Tyler Lockett uh, most likely in this one, which oh, it hurts, man. It hurts. No Tyler Lockett. Uh, most of my teams out there, how are we feeling about the Seattle passing attack going against a defense that has definitely been exploited lately? Oh, wheels up for Geno this week, despite the loss of Lockett, who's clearly one of the best real-life receivers in the NFL. I'm embarrassed I ranked him so low in fantasy. He's too good, no matter the quarterback. And yes, Geno has definitely regressed some, but man, I love this matchup. KC is the fourth-highest pass rate against. Opponents are averaging more than 36 pass attempts. Uh, KC's allowing uh, 30 passing touchdowns this year. That's five more than the next most. Uh, both these teams rank top 10 in pace in neutral situations. So I think a ton of targets to Metcalf, bump up Noah Fant, bump down Kenneth Walker. And I think Gino is going to be throwing a ton in, in a shootout. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, I like Gino this week for sure. And, and me, Metcalf should just be... It should be a really, really highly ranked. Oh, God. Going to miss Tyler Lockett in this one. We'll see if my teams are able to survive. The next team up here, New York Jets. We'll get to them in Thursday night preview. So we move on to the Patriots. A Pat Thorman stat. The Patriots have only... Of only one play of 50-plus yards all season. Of course, that is from the great Bailey Zappi to the great Jonu Smith, two mainstays of this offense for 53 yards. The Dolphins, 49ers, and Vikings each had two plays of 50-plus yards in Week 15 alone. The Patriots' offense, it stinks. And supposedly Mac Jones couldn't have thrown a 55-yard Hail Mary last week is what led to that disastrous final play. God, um, why would you even say that? <laughs> I know, I know. I get that their receivers are not great, but um, and their play calling is horrible, and maybe that is enough. Maybe that is a difference, but man, it has not been an encouraging second year for Mac Jones in this offense. What a disaster. Is it just a combination of all the above, or are you pretty worried about Mac? I mean, I'm worried that they've set him back from a development standpoint by having, and it's so clear. I mean, nobody is more pissed off this season than Mac Jones. Every time you watch a Patriots Screaming. game, he is yeah. he's pissed. Okay, he's he's yelling at the sideline. He's probably yelling at Matt Patricia. Um, I mean, this whole thing is embarrassing. Like, can they? There's no way they can run back Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator next year, like play caller, whatever the hell they want to they want to say he is. But like, yeah, Mac was. I don't think he showed anything special in his rookie season, but he was competent, right? And this has just been an embar- I mean, it's an, been an embarrassment. Like I said, under four yards per pass attempt to to for Mac Jones against the Raiders defense. Like it's a it's a joke. I agree with you that the skill position talent isn't like an all star worthy group or anything, but they have like NFL players out there. You know, like look at what the Ravens are dealing with. Okay, the Ravens have like Demarcus Robinson. They lose Devin Duvernay. They got to sign Sammy Watkins. Give me a break. Like the 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 Patriots at least have like. Guys who have had NFL success before, like Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, like Stevenson's a great back for them. It, I don't think it's that big of a personnel issue. I think it's all an, a, a coaching staff offensive offensive design issue. And look, like none of us give our best effort uh, or or progress our best when we work for somebody or work with somebody that we don't like. And Mac Jones clearly doesn't believe in what's going on there. So, you know, right or wrong, I don't know that Mac is like, He's not Tom Brady, right? He hasn't earned the right to be a total uh, jackass all the time on the field, but he is that way right now because of the situation he's in. 
Yeah, indoors against, like I said, Raiders uh, allowing the highest passer rating against last week. Bad performance. I think Belichick dropped to one and seven or one and eight over his last eight or nine uh, matchups with former assistants. I mean, imagine getting out coached by Josh McDaniels. He must be irate over that. But yeah, it's surprising what's going on in New England and and Brady. Man, both both those have been uh, quite different different outcomes than, than usual for, the, for those fan bases. Hundred percent. All right, Detroit Lions next team up here. Jared Goff. Ranks number one in EPA per dropback since week 12. I'm expecting a nice bounce back from Jared Goff this week. It, it wasn't terrible against the Jets. wasn't as bad as it could have been. wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But, you know, Jared Goff barely attempts or barely completes over 60% of his passes. He doesn't get over seven YPA against the Jets. That was very easy to see coming. But I think a bounce back here in week 16 is also very easy to see coming. Yeah, in the cold, I mean, obviously that one long play on fourth down to Brock Wright helped the tight end, um, but Goff is definitely playing the maybe the best football of his career. One other quick note uh, stat I would say is Jamison Williams, not this week, but last week, um, he was recorded as the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, it's like his second or third game back from a torn ACL. I mean, that rookie uh, is going to add another uh, dynamic to an offense that's going to be as a Niner fan I'm like just doing the math like two seed three seed that crazy uh comeback by the Vikings may may cost me a a home playoff game I could could not get to go to now but my point is I want to avoid the Lions is is what I'm getting at uh very very dangerous team I'm obviously everyone's on this and and now maybe Campbell can win coach of the year like everyone wanted to bet on before the season but impressive stuff what they're doing on both sides of the ball and to go do this in cold weather again you know this is not an easy one in Carolina but I absolutely think they're capable of doing it again I cannot imagine uh, how hard D'Amico Ryans and that defense would stuff Jared Goff in a locker. So uh, I get why you'd be afraid of it, but I wouldn't. I don't know. I'd still feel pretty confident going into that game. But let's move on to our next team. Speaking of the Niners, uh, Washington gets them this week. Jahan Dotson leads Washington with a 28% target share the last two games. Second in team target share at 22.4%. Dotson is a good player, man. Uh, and and he, I love that he's just... Uh, Sticking it to all the wide receiver sizists out there. Jahan Dotson is uh man. Love to see what he's been doing lately. And but at the same time, how confident can you be starting him against this 49ers defense, which I just mentioned is really, really good. And talk about a guy they might put in a blender this coming week. I think Taylor Heineke could be making some mistakes against this defense. Oh, yeah. I don't want to start Dotson. And I lowered McLaurin and really lowered Brian Robinson, too. Niners D is just playing so, so well. But man, Dotson, one of the best catches of the season last week, that downfield play was so sick. So, yeah, he looks great. And uh, one of the takeaways here is just with with him there now, don't expect that same target share for, for Scary Terry moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Dots is definitely a legit player. That three receiver set's so good. They just need a quarterback. They just need like a competent quarterback. They could be they could be like a Brady, Rodgers, uh, even Garoppolo uh, type team in the offseason for sure. Uh, let's move on to the next team here. Miami Dolphins. Tua had an 8.7 adjusted yards per attempt outside the numbers in week 15. Uh, he was at 10.1 outside the numbers to the right. I thought this was a really encouraging performance from Tua against a tough Bills defense and kind of doing the things that we were wondering. Could he do? Could he? Would he take those shots outside the numbers? Definitely did in week 15, and I think that was good to see. Yeah, overblown the weather, including myself. I lowered him too much in the rankings. He looked good. It was nice. Seemed to bounce back in a tough situation. That was their third straight road game at night. 
you know, the weather did cooperate. It could be far worse, but still, whatever. It was cold in Buffalo. So props to Tua for bouncing back there. It was a, it was a nice performance for sure. It was it was good. I mean, Tyreek Hill's playing with the banged up ankle too. So yeah, and they got not much from this running attack. So um, actually, I take that back. Uh, Mostert had a good good game, but Mostert was um, awesome. Yeah, I feel like Mostert could be Mostert awesome was, this week yeah, against, the, against the Packers too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially no Wilson. Yeah. If you did that against the Bills, yeah, I imagine Mostert could be easy top ten if there's no no Wilson this week. But uh, either way, regardless of him getting help with his running rushing attack, nice performance from Tua. Yeah. Um. Feel like Tua's back in the good graces. That was and it was just a good adjustment, good coaching adjustment, I think too. But uh, mostly yeah. just the players stepping up for sure. That's what you love to see. Uh, yeah. I feel like Raheem Mostert. Whew, he could be uh, a pretty big league winner uh, here this next couple weeks if Jeff Wilson still hobbled. This matchup in particular is great for Raheem Mostert, so that should be pretty exciting. How fitting that we get the Dolphins and Chargers back to back because now we can talk. We just talked to it. We could talk Herbert. Uh, Justin Herbert's eight point two uh, yard average depth of target is thirty fifth out of thirty eight qualifying quarterbacks this year. You brought this one to the table, Dalton. Yeah, it's painful. It's painful, man. Well. Yeah. So what do we make of this? Is it there were injuries in the wide receivers? Is it coaching um, offensive line having Eckler available? You know, it's part of it. He's so good as a receiving option of a running back. So, um, I mean, if you do you have any worry at all about Herbert, is this all coaching thoughts? It's more curious your your opinion on this. than I didn't really have a take. Yeah, um, I think it's some multiple different things at play here. Um, and not necessarily all of any all of them bad or whatever. One thing's for sure: this offense does run, I think, a little too much quick game. Um, and they have receivers that don't really, you know, they're not like if you're gonna run a lot of quick game, like get one guy who can, you know, rip a big play after the catch, can win with speed, or or can, you know, is like a Debo Samuel type after the catch, like that. That would be great, but. Mike Williams is not that guy. Keenan Allen's not that guy. Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, they certainly aren't those guys either. Um, so that's part of it. I don't love don't love the design of the offense. That's for sure. I think it makes things too hard on Herbert. Um, and, and Eckler's good after the catch, but as you mentioned, it's like little dump off passes too. So there's not necessarily like a ton of. You know, he's going to make a bunch of big plays. He's going to get you a big YPA type things. Now that and then obviously the offensive line is part of it too. So there's a lot of non-Herbert factors at play there. I think the one criticism, and I don't know that this is like criticism or just a more style of play thing you could say with Herbert, is that I think he is a great post-snap processor. Like once he gets the ball in his hands, he's not like always just predetermining where he's gonna go. He'll read out the plays, he'll read out the reads, stuff like that. I think he gets to that check down pretty fast, though. Like there's sometimes where and look, I don't want to sit behind guy got his ribs broken earlier this year on a hit uh, a, a massive hit right so I could get it if he doesn't want to sit back there behind that offensive line and take a bunch of punishment but if you sit in the pocket a little bit longer and don't like read out that check down to Eckler so fast that also would improve the uh, yards uh, per attempt and the average depth of target thing as well so a lot of different factors going on my main take is though I'd love to I, I, I'm not trying to sit here and be like we got to get Joe Lombardi out of here and all of the Chargers problems are solved or anything like that but i kind of would like to see herbert in a different offense just from a um, an aesthetic standpoint man last week herbert threw it more than 40 times to a tennessee team the worst against outside receivers yep. and mike williams had 20 yards before the final drive with 50 seconds left just uh just so annoying but um yeah it's a weird offense for sure it's definitely a weird offense all right <laughs> talk about a weird offense new york giants however they look so much better 
when Saquon Barkley's balling out. And Saquon Barkley's 50% rushing success rate last week was his best mark of the season. That was like a vintage Saquon performance. Makes me feel pretty good about him rolling into Week 16 and Week 17 in fantasy uh, championship pushes here. Um, great to see that from Saquon. Yeah, it gets a tough Washington defense. Like you could have multiple highlight moves. You uh, put the defenders on skates. Looked good. Hopefully he's healthy down the stretch. Uh, schedule eases up a bit. Although this week, Daniel Jones and Slayton are the guys you want to uh, target in fantasy. Obviously, Barkley, a nice start too. Much easier schedule than what he's just dealt with and uh, looked, looked healthy. So that's great to see. <laughs> it's funny, like Danny Dimes, the thing you care about the most is the rushing attempt stuff. But like, not necessarily the downfield passing, but uh, it should be in play here against the Minnesota Vikings defense, as you mentioned. Baltimore Ravens, a lot going wrong with the Ravens passing offense. However, J.K. Dobbins leads the NFL with 245 rushing yards the last two weeks. I thought that was kind of surprising when I when I found that up, uh, found that stat when we were uh, debating him yesterday on the show. J.K. Dobbins has said he doesn't have all of his explosiveness back, but I mean, the production has certainly been there the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, averaging just 14 carries and, well, he, I mean, just watching him down that one run two weeks ago, it just didn't look like he was close to 100%. So I was, I mean, I was unsurprised to see him come out and admit that. But either way, the, the production has been there. Uh, he's missed practice this week, but it sounds like just a maintenance issue. So even if he's not 100%, given the environment, he's just going to get a nice opportunity. Um, his If his body would handle it, he probably would get 20 carries. I mean, they lost Devin Duvernay, too. The receiver yeah. core is just so, so bad. So... Um, yeah, you're starting Dobbins, assuming he's he's good to go this week, you know, as home big favorites against Atlanta. I don't even necessarily mind. Um, I don't necessarily mind uh, Gus Edwards as like a deeper play either because they've been splitting those carries up. And this is just like last week. Edwards had some success against Cleveland. This should be a great matchup here against the Atlanta Falcons. So I don't mind. Edwards is a deeper play, but yeah, Dobbins is definitely the guy you want this week. All right, your San Francisco 49ers, Dalton. Brock Purdy is averaging 8.6 yards per attempt across his two starts and has the highest passer rating in the league. How do we feel about him going against, like you mentioned, a tougher Washington defense? Uh, and we'll see. Probably still no Debo Samuel this week for sure. Dude, players in the Super Bowl era to have a 115 passer rating and two touchdowns <laughs> in their first two career starts. Brock Purdy and no one else. Um, do you understand this dude did not even attempt a pass throughout practice last week until the hotel ballroom on I Thursday? I think he's playing with a torn oblique. He's just built different, BCB. Um, built yeah, I'm different. I, I'm excited, man. Outside the numbers on throws 10-plus yards downfield over the last two weeks, 7 of 9, 200 yards, 3 touchdowns, 0 picks, a perfect 158.3 passer rating. I mean, Garoppolo wouldn't put up those numbers throughout his career on numbers yeah. uh, outside the numbers downfield i mean it's exciting stuff it's only been a couple starts who knows in a much tougher defense uh this week with against washington but also since trading for christian mccaffrey in week eight number one offense in dvoa um it's just it's just been uh, that trade has worked out very very well because they've treated him like a, a receiver basically so um jordan mason's been the punisher with the lead at the end but exciting times we'll see if debo gets healthy and um, yeah, the Niners are interesting with these final three games with, you know, they don't necessarily may not have a ton to play for. But Shanahan actually came out and said, it's a mistake to rest your starters. You only get this isn't a seven game series in the playoffs. So it sounds like he's going to play them it's certainly uh, up until uh, the final week. But um, yeah, Brock Purdy, what's not to love right now? 
Uh, so, but we're still Aaron Rodgers over Brock Purdy for this week. God, I'm going to struggle with that one all the way to the end, man. Uh, I'm going to struggle with that one for sure. I just like the setup. I just don't see Washington putting up many points against the, the Niners yeah. D. But um, but then again, Washington has a really good run D. So the Niners are going to have to pass more than than when. So yeah, I mean, who am I to say to sit BCB? I mean, yeah, don't don't listen to me. I mean, I'm he's I have him as a top 15 guy this week. The fact that he can actually uh, move better. He was like, an, let me bring this up, a 90th percentile or something on the uh some 10-yard shuttle or something. Uh, 95th percentile on a 10-yard split among QBs. Um, just the opposite of Garoppolo. And, they, and, and Shanahan's offense calls these bootlegs. So just totally different. He ran for a crucial first down on third and short. Um, he's gonna, he already ran in a touchdown. So that's why people were excited about Trey Lance in this offense, all these yeah. yak guys. The fact that he can also throw the ball downfield uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And George Kittle, by the way, just 14 bucks in Yahoo's DFS this week. I mean, there's no Debo there, and we have a quarterback throws the ball downfield now against a defense that stops the run. So it's a nice little setup for Kittle once again, too. So, yeah. Oh, love it. All right. Next team up here, Dallas Cowboys. Saw this one from Amina Kimes tweet. Uh, amongst quarterbacks with at least 200 attempts, Dak leads the NFL in tight window throw rate. Last year, he was 24th. This makes a lot of sense to me, and and Mina followed this up by saying this wasn't Dak criticism. It was like more of an explanation for why a lot of these um, interceptions that you're seeing from Dak is like the you know, balls tipped up by the receiver. I mean, I can't believe people are criticizing Dak for the pick six that ended the game uh, against the Jags when Noah Brown, I mean, the great Noah Brown, like it hits him right in the hands and he pops it up right to a defender there. I think that when you're looking with these receivers, like I'm not healthy, Michael Gallup and then Noah Brown, like you're not going to get a ton of separation. You're going to get a ton of tight window throws. And this isn't the first time like Dallas has asked Dak to, to rail a lot of tight window throws. And I also heard, I can't remember who, who said it or, or where I saw it, but there was like another stat that Dak is like absurdly good, like from an EPA per play perspective on non-turnover throws or non-turnover plays. It's just been these like, bad turnovers at bad times for Dak. But um, yeah, I don't know. Where are we at with the Cowboys offense? Yeah, the picks have been there. On one hand, I saw a stat that he's like the only quarterback with the higher than 6% interception rate when pressured and higher than 2.5% interception rate when not pressured. But I also saw a stat that he's by far and away the unluckiest most interceptions accounted for like receivers running wrong routes or like you said, tipped up or whatever. So I'm not worried about Dak. It's just noise. A few too many picks here in this small sample, whatever. CD Lamb, I'd like to see more targets. Last week, he was on route to a huge game. I feel like they didn't even, I don't think he was targeted the final 25 minutes of that game. Wow. Um, but um, Noah Brown got it done, but I'm not too worried about, about Prescott. Yeah, me neither. All right. Another guy I'm not worried about, Joe Burrow. But this is interesting because uh, I was going back and forth with uh, someone in my Discord about like mobile quarterbacks and like how pocket quarterbacks have to be like super efficient, and, like comparing Burrow to to Herbert from a fantasy perspective. But Burrow has actually sneakily been a really good runner this year. In fact, Joe Burrow has added 0.32 EPA per scramble this year. That's more than Justin Fields, Danny Dimes, or Josh Allen, who of course are all top three in scramble yards. And we think about them as like legit mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, but yeah, Burrow's been moving a little bit with his legs this year. I think he has five rushing touchdowns on the year too, which is uh, pretty impressive. He's going to need to a little here because if you look at the Patriots, like fantasy points against with quarterbacks, they get beat up by rushing quarterbacks and 
just absolutely shut down passing QBs. The Patriots have allowed the fewest yards per play at home this season, and they rank top three in pressure rate and sacks recorded. So, uh, yeah, not a greatest matchup here for Burrow, especially with their defense playing well and the Patriots offense so bad. Like, this could just be both bad game script and matchup here if you're relying on top five type numbers from Burrow. I'm not saying bench him, but this is an ideal matchup for Burrow. Um, uh, who's awesome? Uh, yeah, what, what else are you going to say? One other note is in, in his career and this year, his YPA drops from uh, 8.6 at home to 7.0 on the road. Like, he plays far better at home for what it's worth. Burrow is seventh uh, among quarterbacks in rush attempts with 68 and five rushing touchdowns on the year. He is one of just five quarterbacks with at least five scores uh, as a rusher. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Danny Dimes. Those are the those are the five guys. There. I want you to rank these three players right now starting a franchise. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. That's tough. I think. I think in the I think in the order you have it, honestly, um, I, there's something like I mean, Burrow, uh, I, I get like it could not be you know more different. The dudes that Burrow has been playing with this year versus the dudes that Herbert has been playing with for the most part this year. And even even when they're healthy, like <laughs> I love Keenan Allen, but there's no comparison between like Jamar Chase and T Higgins when they're both healthy. And then like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams when they're both healthy, like that's the the junior mint version Double, 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 double discount of of Chase and, and Higgins, who I think are both alpha receivers. But still, Burrow's been insanely productive. He he's got like a sort of a everybody believes in him type of vibe around him. I think I go Burrow first, and then Herbert, and then uh, Trevor Lawrence. But man, Trevor Lawrence definitely on the on the rocket ship the last few weeks. You agree that Lawrence is in this conversation already, or am I jumping the gun here? To me, this the upside's through the roof given that last year what he had to deal with coaching and just this you know the, un, the his greater unknown. You know his sample's smaller. Boy, he looks good the last few. weeks. I mean, just unreal. Yeah. yeah, and and again, talk about difference in supporting cast. I, all respect to Zay Jones, who, like we said earlier in the podcast, is is dunking on both of us, uh, outscoring Mike Evans and Gabe Davis this year. But come on, like Zay Jones should be a really, really good number two, or number three, or number four receiver. Uh, he's been their top outside receiver this year. I can't wait to see. Like, could could Trevor Lawrence and uh, Calvin Ridley have like a twenty twenty Josh Allen, oh, Stephon Diggs know. type of? For sure, you know they bring out the best in each other. I mean, it's different. It's tough with Ridley because he's coming off of you know, a, a long layoff from playing in the NFL. I'm not going to sit there and say he's just going to come right back in and be great because that, that's always difficult. But if he is, that could help take Trevor Lawrence to to sort of be a part of this conversation. But I agree with you that he should already be a part of this conversation. Like, you know, I think all these guys, like Burrow probably, I mean, I think he's, he's uh, what were you, now you got me on the whole quarterback conversation, <laughs> conversation but. I feel like Mahomes is in his own oh, tier. Yeah. And then Allen. That's I didn't. Yeah, I went Mahomes, yeah. Allen. I just separated. But Allen, you could maybe put there. Mahomes is sorry to interrupt. But yeah, Mahomes in his own tier. No question. I almost think like Allen is weirdly in his own tier, too. But I'm such a big like Josh Allen fan. And I, I just love the that's way what, he plays the game yeah. so much. that I, I think he is still a tier above Burrow, a tier above Herbert, a tier above, you know, those all these other guys. And then and then you start to get into like Jalen Hurts. You start to get into yes. Tua. Uh-huh. Right there. Yeah. Hurts. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's like, why I didn't throw in Allen, though. That's why I didn't, because I figured that's what your thoughts were. And you weren't going to hear any 
Firebaugh dis, dissing from me here. So I would, this is going to be funny, though, uh, looking bad with Lawrence. I just realized, you know, playing with a sprained toe, missing practice, a short week against a tough Jets defense on the road. He may bomb on Thursday night. But to be clear, I'm going to be ranking him as an easy top five fantasy QB next week. And the only reason not higher is because of the rushing upside from the other guys. But I'm right there, a believer in him. And well, Calvin Ridley, too. The co- oh, yeah, man. I mean, Lawrence looks like a superstar. Yeah, I'm excited about what we've seen from Trevor Lawrence lately. I mean, the, the big plays are starting to come, which is what I think we need. And like the off script, like that throw he threw to Zay Jones. I know Zay Jones did a great double move on uh, on old Kelvin Joseph. Get that guy off the field for the Cowboys. But um, the throw was incredible off it, like off platform, everything. It was it was fantastic. But we'll get to more Trevor Lawrence stuff when we do a Thursday night preview, uh, which I wanted to leave more time for in the podcast. But I'm doing a terrible job of hosting. What do you know? Uh, Minnesota Vikings. Dalton, hit me with some of the stats you used earlier uh, in our Toyota video on uh, on Dalvin. Yeah, I just realized that Dalvin Cook before last week when he obviously benefited from that long pass to the house, his previous run defenses he faced were Washington, Buffalo, Dallas, New England, the Jets, and the Lions. I mean, it was as tough as it gets. And now he gets a you know Giants run defense allowing NFL high 5.4 yards per carry and nearly 150 yards from scrimmage. So yeah, in a week filled with bad weather outdoor games, you could put Cook, you know, top three-ish type of fantasy option this week. All right, a guy who has been not just top three option the last two weeks, but the best running back in back-to-back weeks, Jarek McKinnon for the Kansas City Chiefs. Dalton, Jarek McKinnon uh, about to just carry people to fantasy titles. Yeah, his uh, snap percentage has increased four straight weeks. Uh, CEH remains out. Um, he's quietly dominating the red zone snaps. You know, I said last week Pacheco's been getting the carries. That's really just one game, and McKinnon's out there on the field more, even in the red zone. He's dominating the high-value touches. Uh, KC offense, he's a feature back or co-feature back on a KC offense, averaging the most yards per play, EPA per play, and points per game this season. And this week, he gets Seattle team allowing the second most fantasy points to running back so just keep riding jet in your fantasy playoffs it's wild i mean niner fans they, they blew this huge contract on this guy and he was hurt every year and now last year in the playoffs the, the chiefs relied on him uh, as the most important back and here we are in the fantasy wild that he was back to back number one fantasy back and, and once again uh looks like a must start yeah he looks i think he looks great this year too like every time i mean some of those plays against houston were awesome it's really good to see that from jared kennedy who we it was like we forget was a supreme athlete coming into the NFL when he was a uh, backup there uh, for uh, the Minnesota Vikings. So yeah. pretty cool to see for Jarek McKinnon. Um, when did Jarek McKinnon come into the league? Like how long is he? How long has Jarek McKinnon yeah, been, been in the league? He, yeah, he's he's on the wrong side of thirty for running backs. But I guess you know his his mileage is lower because of all the injuries. But um, but uh, yeah, 2014. Uh, he was he was drafted by the Vikings in 2014. Like it, that's that's actually kind of longer. Than I thought. For a running back, uh, yeah, that's it's a great career. That's or a great career. Was he? <laughs> I mean, Adrian Peterson was still on the damn Vikings. Like, was he? I know I've said before. I was like, oh well, you know, he's Dalvin Cook's backup from the. Oh well, yeah, 2014. That was the year that Peterson was uh, was suspended or, or <laughs> on the commissioner's exempt list, and then Peterson was back for a couple years. So he was backing up Adrian Peterson uh, there in Minnesota. That's crazy. McKinnon has been in the league that long, and now he's again he's been this good of late. That's pretty awesome to see. All right, Bills. Uh, Dalton, this is once again a selfish question because Dawson Knox, man, I've been guessing wrong all year. But last two weeks, fourth most targets among tight ends since week 14, last couple of weeks here. Can Dawson Knox keep it going this week? 
I told my wife to start Chig over um, Dawson Knox last week, even though I knew Miami has been horrible against tight ends. I thought it was going to snow, so I helped, felt bad when he went off. Um, and yeah, you got it. I guess with with this targeting target share recently, and given the tight ends, I'm, I ranked him as a top ten guy this week. So yeah, but I mean, it's just so bad tight ends. They, it's just you know they have these big weeks and then they disappear for a month. It is what it is. Yeah, my dumbass started Chig over. Dawson Knox and Greg Dulcich over Dawson Knox last week. Luckily, it didn't cost me any matchups. Uh, Chig was all right. That was fine. Uh, but Dulcich, dude, what? I can't, I can't believe I guessed that wrong every single week. I'm going to totally bench uh, uh, Dawson, or Greg Dulcich uh, this week for Dawson Knox, and Dulcich is 100% shoving a touchdown in my face on Christmas. I mean, Merry freaking Christmas to me. That's going to be so cool. Uh, all right, last team before we preview Thursday night. Philadelphia Eagles got to talk about Gardner Minshew, who might start. I would say might start this week. Jalen Hurts is like talking about how he's going to play. He's a warrior, all this stuff. So while it seems like he has been ruled out, just keep in mind, he might start. But let's just pretend. And I think most likely Gardner Minshew starts this game. He started two games last year, did Gardner Minshew combined had a 67% completion rate, a 104.7 pass rating, 8.0 adjusted yards per attempt. And Dallas Goddard, who's set to make his uh, return this week, went nuts in the first one against the Jets with 100 yards and two touchdowns. Couple things here. I don't think Hurts plays here. I think it seems like gamesmanship to me. Um, he has included the most quarterback hits on 129 times on running plays this year. It's a third straight year he's uh, suffered an injury toward the end of the season. He quietly played through, I believe, a hamstring one two years ago and then ankle last year. Really sucks for those who had 40 to one or even greater tickets for him to win MVP. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, but given their standings and 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 the fact that Gardner Minshew is good, I don't see any reason to to play him through an injury that could be uh, well, obviously I don't know how serious it is um, but that's just my guess and I could be completely wrong here and assuming but assuming Minshew gets a start you could absolutely pivot to him and I, I'm ranking him as a top 15 fantasy QB indoors yes Dallas defense is tough but they have some problems in the secondary and they're going to have to score and yeah. he has an awesome offensive line awesome receivers when you mentioned Minshew's numbers uh, when given the opportunity uh, last year um one game i believe came in, in against the jets too he was a top 10 qb yep. that was without aj brown too yep. and now he has one of the best receivers in in the nfl Devontae too. Smith and also did like nothing in that game i went back and lose the box where he did like nothing in that game and i think he definitely he'd be in line to smash that opposite corner from trayvon diggs uh, on the right side of the field there for smith like this could be a huge game for Devontae smith and Goddard is is back, and they, they have a good rapport. So yeah, I like. I think you can totally roll with Minshew, even in non superflex leagues. I think he's a borderline top twelve fantasy QB this week. Minshew or BCB this week? I, I have Min, I have them ranked back to back right now with Minshew one ahead. Man, I can't believe this hate I'm giving Purdy, but yeah, I have I have Minshew. Just the matchups here, just the matchup. I think you're gonna have to throw in Dallas quite a bit. So I, just, just the matchup. There we go. All right, Thursday night preview. This is a huge game from an NFL standpoint. It's a big fantasy game, too. And I'm, like, not sure how well set up anybody is to produce a big game in the, in this one because uh, you talked about Trevor Lawrence's injury coming in. Um, the Jets, obviously, great defense. Uh, so, like, can we count on some of these guys in Jacksonville? And then, of course, on the other side, Zach Wilson is still starting for the Jets, so that is a bit precarious. But I'll read off our two stats here. Uh, they're both quarterback stats, and I'm glad that you brought up the fact that there was a 
real good chance that the Justice could have moonwalked into Trevor Lawrence and imagine like Trevor Lawrence didn't have to deal with Urban Meyer, Bourbon Meyer, as you call him, in his first year, just playing with the Jets. Now they've got all these guys. I mean, they wouldn't have like Garrett Wilson, the whole different thing. So whatever. But anyways, two stats here. Trevor Lawrence leads the NFL in PFF passing grade and passer rating since returning from the Jaguars week 11 bye. Meanwhile, just the same stat I read to Andy uh, on Monday. You brought it back here. Zach Wilson's off-target percentage was 35.3%. That's actually worse than his infamous game at New England, 35%. That mark ranks 434th out of 442 individual passing performances this year. So two quarterbacks definitely not going in the same direction here despite being drafted uh, one after the other. Yeah, I was locked in a Jets bet in a parlay last week uh, before the white Mike White news, although I should have been more cautious of that. It was kind of clear that he was battling an injury. I mean, he was taking those massive hits. Zach Wilson was pretty good the first half, um, despite those what those numbers would suggest. But that interception to open the second half was was horrible. And obviously the off target stuff suggests uh, he has a lot of work to go. I mean. Sala, even before the game, we're having such a low bar to clear. He's talking about how don't worry, basically saying that he still has the yips and there's going to be some ups and downs. So, yeah, it's not not, not ideal. But um, I think this matchup's not bad against Jacksonville whatsoever if you're desperate, yeah. su- certainly in Superflex. Um, I have him as my QB 16, and he runs too. And uh, Elijah Moore, uh, you probably don't want to use him in your fantasy playoffs, but for what it's worth, uh, Jacksonville really struggles against the slot. Um, but uh, Garrett Wilson's an alpha. And um, yeah, I think Zach Wilson's definitely startable in Superflex in this matchup. But obviously, if you're a Jets fan, you're um, you're wishing you had the QB on the other sideline. Yeah, uh, Zonovan Knight still banged up, too. That's tough uh, to trust him uh, in this spot. I wouldn't necessarily just like love if Knight's out, like throwing Michael Carter out there. Wouldn't love that. The Jaguars, I think, are more interesting from a fantasy standpoint because you mentioned that Trevor Lawrence is dealing with an injury. Um, It's a tough defense with the Jets there. Jags need this game. Like they win this game, then it's probably a win and in game in week 18. Although you can't look past the Texans because the damn Texans beat the Jaguars earlier this year. I don't think they've won a game since they beat the Jaguars earlier this year, but still most likely a win and in game in week 18 with the uh, Tennessee Titans there, um, which I'd love to, I'd love to see that like it could come down to Ken Trevor Lawrence, take down the Titans who have run this division for the last few years. But this matchup is going to be tough for guys like Zay Jones, who have been who's been super productive of late. You know, Christian Kirk, who's been good pretty much all year, and Travis Etienne, who's coming off his best game in a while. How are we feeling about these guys going against the Jets defense? Yeah, meaningful real life game, but not ideal for fantasy. I mean, it's tough to sit Zay Jones after scoring the most fantasy points last week and getting those double digit target games. Um, so I'm ranking him as a top 30 receiver, but it's a really very tough matchup for sure. Um, don't expect a ton of points in this game and how healthy is Lawrence uh, will dictate a lot of that. Travis Etienne getting so many carries. You got to roll with him. You'd love to see more targets, but it's hard to argue with T-Law attacking downfield and Evan Ingram, a top five fantasy tight end uh, is wild to see too. So yeah, not not a great matchup for fantasy terms, uh, but a real interesting one in real life. And uh, can't wait to see what Lawrence does on the road in a real tough environment. I mean, that this Jets defense is legit. Yeah, it's going to be could be like a big statement game for Trevor Lawrence, who I think, uh, you know, you put him in the conversation we had earlier. I bet I'm sure I'm confident there's a lot of people not ready to put him in that conversation just yet. And if he goes out and and doesn't have a big game, they lose against the Jets with everybody knows the Jets defense rocks, but they're still playing Zach Wilson. Like if the Jags don't win this game. Definitely people are not people are going to be pissed that we put Trevor Lawrence uh, in that group. But 
this is it's just these island games often come to define a player, and this one certainly could define Trevor Lawrence. I hope it's a good performance from him because I think he's looked really good. Yeah, I hope it, if not, then I hope it knocks down his his fantasy value a peg or two next year because I'm going to be all over him. There's a, yeah, I, I boy, two people. I dare I dare you to draft Garrett Wilson and Trevor Lawrence ahead of me in fantasy drafts next year, uh, Harmon, because in this game alone, two guys, two of my favorite guys to target in 2023. Ah, uh, well, hey, you won't get any pushback from me on Garrett Wilson, that's for sure. That dude is, is uh, I, uh, I will not stop you from the Garrett Wilson thing like I tried to stop you on the Gabe Davis thing. <laughs> so, uh, and, and rightfully, you tried to stop me on the Mike Evans thing. So, um, glad we all learned a lot uh, here in this one. All right, that's going to do it for us. You can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don if you don't already. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, Make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you like the show, how could you not like the show? We just spent an hour and 15 minutes giving you one stat you need to know for every single NFL team and way more than that. I mean, come on. There was way more than that. There's so much good stuff. Please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. That's a great way to show us that you love the show and that you want to support us. Dalton will be back tomorrow. We didn't get him last week. We get him double duty for this week. He's going to be back tomorrow along with the great Scott Pianowski to preview the week 16 games. Until then, we're out. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.